Morning, College Park. Great to be in worship with you this morning. What a great worship. Jesus defeats darkness. Many times when I talk to people, especially from other religions, they say, why Christians are so happy? Why you sing songs? Why you have music? Why have music? Why are we so happy? We are happy because we found Jesus, the cure for sin. Sin hits every race, every country, every religion. Amen. But Jesus saved us from sin. That's why we're so happy. That's why we're so happy. Uh, Faye is going to be speaking at our national conference this year. It's going to be in, in uh, Columbus. But God is using her to share with other people in her uh, community. I want to start with this verse, John chapter 10, verse 10. The Bible says, The thief comes to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. Most people say, why do you want to share the gospel? Why don't you share the gospel with Muslims, you know? Because Jesus told us to do so. 2,000 years ago, Jesus, the son of the Virgin Mary, the word of God become flesh, told us to go and tell everyone, tell everyone that he has come, that they might have life and have it more abundantly. This is not about trying to get more Republicans or more Democrats. It's not about an agenda or even a mission trip. We do all this because of Jesus, who's our leader, who's our savior, who's our king of kings, who told us 2,000 years ago, go and tell them that have come, that they might have life and have it more abundantly. It's exciting this morning when I will share with you what God is doing among Muslims. When you watch the news, you see what the devil is doing. Breaks your heart. You know, somebody gets killed and chopped into pieces. It's the 21st century. Breaks your heart that ISIS is back. Taliban is back. But today I want to share with you what God is doing among Muslims. My name is Fawad. If you can say Fawad, call me Joe. I answer that one too. My wife is American. The first three years of our married life, she called me honey. <laughs> well, she still calls me honey, don't worry. So I told her, why you call me honey? She goes, I can't say your name. So this morning, don't call me honey. It's Fuad, means loving heart. Most Arabic names have a meaning. So Fuad means loving heart or spiritual heart. So like a quad with an F, Fuad. So that's my name. I want to show you the picture of my city. All Lebanese people are proud. There's only three million of us, but we make a lot of noise. Everybody hears about us. I grew up five blocks from the seashore. In the inset is the country of Lebanon. It's the size of Connecticut. In an hour and a half, I can go from Beirut, Lebanon, to Damascus, Syria. I drove 24 hours, and I was still in the state of Texas. So I just want to tell you, put it in perspective for me. My dad is Lebanese, and my mom is Syrian. So you can say I've been a hostage all my life. Uh, my, mom, my mom is in Beirut, so she won't hear this joke. But growing up in Lebanon, I was in the uh, Civil War, and many times you read in the news, you know, car bombs and things like that. The scary part about the United States is the media gives you, like, what, 30 seconds, 90 seconds? You know, can somebody tell me why the Shia and the Sunnis are still killing each other? They started this war in 656 AD. Why are they still killing us? That's what we know. And you'll be walking on the street, you see a head, you see an arm, because the car bombs, when they explode, things fly. And um, I, growing up there, I hated the Israeli people. I have cousins and second cousins who fought in the Golan Heights. So I grew up hating the Jewish people. The second people I hated were the Palestinians. Yasser Arafat, the head of the PLO, would pass behind my house every night in the Civil War. My best friend, Walid, who used to play soccer, was killed by the Palestinians. So I hated the Palestinian people. 
and has so much hate because when you live in a, in a war-torn country, you, you start, it just, you, you kind of nurture that hate. You have more reasons as you see more car bombs, more, more snipers, more killing. And my solution for the Middle East crisis was to take Israelis and Palestinians to a desert like Arizona, let them fight there, and whoever wins, give him the piece of land. Let's finish with it. Sadly, tomorrow there'll be another car bomb because we raise our kids to hate each other. So in the same time I'm in there, a friend of mine asked me, Fawad, what happens if you die tomorrow? I said to him, I don't believe in God. I decided not to believe God. If God exists, I don't want to follow him because of the war around me. And my friend said to me, if you die tomorrow and you don't know where you're going, it's too late then because maybe there is a God. What are you going to do? So I decided to become an agnostic. That's a good word. I'm not an atheist. I'm an agnostic. Is there a God? I don't know. Is there heaven? I don't know. So I live my life like a little boat being pushed around. And as I studied different religions, I decided myself, if God exists, then God speaks. As I studied different religions, I discovered that Jesus is different than any other leader. Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. Do unto others as you want them to be done unto you. That's a good one for Congress. Jesus says, love your enemies. Do not, do not repay evil with evil, but repay evil with good. That's a good one for the Middle East. But this information was in the mind. How did it come to the heart? The Bible says we should worship God with all our mind. That's your logic, that's your intellect, that's your creativity. So when you hear music, when you look at your iPhone, hey, somebody used their mind. Okay? But then the Bible says we should worship God with all our heart. What does that mean? Heart is where your will is. You don't tell your wife, honey, I love you from all my mind. She'd say, oh, that's cute. No, I love you from all my heart. You're my one and only. So for me, knowing about Jesus was here in the mind. How did it come to the heart? We have family friends. You in the civil war in Lebanon. They had four kids. They were eating dinner. While they were eating dinner, the two-year-old son spilled milk. So the father picks up the son and goes to the bathroom to wash his hands. While he's there, a mortar shell, this big, you know, looks like the Goodyear blimp, came through the balcony door, exploded in the middle of the table. Wife and three kids, pieces on the wall. The man survived, picked up a plastic bag, and buried his whole family in a plastic bag. And that was the trigger for me to move the information about Jesus from the mind to the heart. The problem in Lebanon was not politics. The problem in Lebanon was not weapons. Weapons don't kill people. People kill people. We've killed each other over religion, over skin color, over territory. The problem is the human heart. The, human, the problem was my human heart, my issue. So I went to my room, closed the door, knelt by my bed, and prayed this prayer. I said, Lord Jesus, when you came to earth, you healed the sick and you raised the dead. The more there is war in this country, I want to be a soldier of peace. And God changed my heart. I started praying for the Jewish people. I started praying for the Palestinian people. The church I grew up had a regular prayer meeting that we prayed for Saddam Hussein, Yasser Arafat, Muammar Gaddafi. Because when you are a follower of Jesus, when you are a committed Christian, you don't see people by race. You don't see people by education. You don't see people how they voted last year. But you see them as God's creation. And they all, all need to know that Jesus has come, that they might have life and have it more abundantly. This is why we do what we do. And if Jesus saves you, you understand what I'm saying. But maybe this morning you came because somebody asked you to be here. 
Or maybe you were dragged. Maybe Jesus is still in the mind, but you never said, Jesus, I want to give you my will. I want to give you my heart. I want to give you my life. Please don't leave this place without making that commitment. But Jesus changed my heart. And Lebanon is in what we call the heart of the 1040 window. The 1040 window are countries where the Bible is not accessible. Basically, right now, this is my personal Bible, my personal Arabic Bible. It's banned in Morocco, Algeria, Tunisia. Libya, Sudan, Saudi Arabia, Yemen, Oman, millions have never seen a page of the Bible. On one of the trips, we sent mission trips. On one of the trips, we were in southern Spain. We had a table with Bibles. And as people come by, we say, Salaamu Alaikum, would you like to take a Bible? Well, one day, the, this, the, we were next to the curb, and this car slows down. The driver had a bushy beard down to his second button. So he's a devout Muslim. So I, he rolls down the window. I say, Salaam alaikum, brother. He goes, Wa alaikum salam. I said, Sir, we're giving the Bible, the book of Jesus. He said to me, I am the Imam of Amsterdam. I don't know if that's true, but that's what he said. I said, Nice meeting you. He goes, uh, Have you read the Quran? I said, Yes. 18 times. Now it's 28 times. 18 times. He said to me, uh, In Arabic? I said, Yeah, in Arabic. Why? Do I look French to you? I'm an Arab. <laughs> So he smiled. He goes, I only read the Quran four times, but I never read the Injil. I've never read the Bible. Give me the Bible. I want to read it. So I gave him the Bible. He left. I'm thinking to myself, he's the religious leader. He's the imam. He's never read the book of Jesus. So when Muslims ask the imam about Jesus, what does he tell them? He's never read the book. What he tells them is not complete. What he tells them is missing something. Yet the Quran mentions Jesus at least uh, 25 times or four times more than Muhammad mentions Jesus 95 times, uh, 93 times to be exact, and 25 times mentioned the word Muhammad. So they know the name, but they don't know what they did. Our goal is to shine the light. Millions of Muslims have never seen a page of the Bible. Now what about the United States? The next map, every red dot represents a Muslim mosque. There are more than 2,000 mosques in the United States of America. I was in a state, I don't want to say the name of the state, they have a good football team. I was speaking and this elder comes, it's an elder in a church, said to me, Fuad, uh, Muslims don't deserve the gospel. He was so upset. I said, sir, who deserves the gospel? <laughs> who? <laughs> no one deserves the gospel. When Jesus looked, who? Who was like worthy? Nobody is worthy. It says, because, he, because of the joy set before him, he endured the cross. The joy is you and I. The joy of people getting saved. People getting out of the darkness into the light. That's why today, this morning, we look at, at this map and we know that majority of Muslims, even in America, have never been to a Christian home. In the first service, I talk about this story about a 16-year-old uh, student, a student who came through the Bridges study, sweet lady, she decided to do prayer walking in her neighborhood after she did the training. She didn't know any Muslims. So, you know, prayer walking is fun. You know, it's no-brainer. You just walk and pray. And she discovered that her neighbors are from Egypt. So she started talking to the mom and to the daughter, and the Egyptian people are very hospitable. So they invited her in. They're sitting there drinking Egyptian tea, Egyptian chai, and the mom says to her, you're a nice American. She goes, thank you. She goes, we've been living here for six years. You're the first American to enter our house. Six years. What is so sad today is, is many Muslims are our neighbors, and nobody welcomes them. Nobody welcomes them. Seven million Muslims. Can we find seven million Christians? Everybody say hi. Just say hello. We ask people to pray every Friday at noon for the salvation of Muslims. I said that at a training in New York City, and the gentleman in the front rose his hand. He said, is that Eastern Standard Time? 
I said, no, sir, when it's 12 o'clock, would you pray with us? Every Friday, Muslims go to the mosque. That's they're supposed to go, although that's not the case. But they're supposed to go. Would you pray with us? Can we get a million people just to pray? I was in Tennessee. This sweet lady comes up. She goes, Father, I can't travel, but the least I could do is pray for you. I said, no, ma'am, that's the most you could do. If we can get a million Americans to just pray for God to save Muslims, can we get 10 million? Can we get people? Because the Bible says Elijah was a man, a man, and he prayed one prayer, and God stopped the rain for three years and six months. And if you look at the geography of the Middle East, that's impossible. But when God moves, God moves. God is actively involved on this planet. What you are watching today on the news is the darkness we are in. Imagine there's terrorism, there's kidnappings, there's sexual trafficking, there is racism. What? It's the 21st century. There's racism. Oh, the other favorite, there's reverse racism. Oh, that's a good one. And people say, oh, we have to solve, we have a lot of problems. How do you solve racism? How do you solve it? What, you have more Starbucks? How do you solve it? You gotta change the heart, you gotta change the human value system, and the only one who can do that is Jesus, the Messiah, who died and was buried and raised on the third day, that Jesus who saved you and saved me can save all people. Hallelujah, he is the only one, he's the only one. So when we look at the darkness, what does Jesus say to us? That's why the text is so powerful. Jesus says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. It does not make sense. Instead, they put it on its stand and gives light to everyone in the house. Look how this ends. In the same way, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. My brother and my sister, what Jesus is saying is when you see the darkness, you are the light. What? You are the light. The first time I read that, I'm like, how, how am I the light? How am I the light? I'm from Lebanon. I'm from Beirut. I have issues. I have problems. I have sin that Jesus washed away, but I'm not, how am I the light? And Jesus says, when you see the darkness, you are the light. See, the moon does not have light of its own. It reflects the light of the sun. Jesus is the true light of the world. But we're reflecting his light. The way we talk, the way we welcome, the way we hug somebody, the way we share, the way we stand against injustices or against sin. Who's speaking today on the injustices of women in the Middle East? Last January, a year ago, I was in Austin, Texas. I invited a friend of mine to have lunch in downtown Austin. Biggest mistake. We got there, it was the Women's March. 34,000 women and two guys. There were signs, you know, hashtag girl power. Ooh, I like that, hashtag girl power. Equal rights, great, but no sign said stop beheading women. Why we not talk about beheading women? Stop stoning women. Why we not talking about that? And Jesus says when you see the darkness, you are the light. Whether it's a testimony on, a, on, your, on a YouTube or maybe a text, you are the light. When you put and push that post, can you read it and say, I am being the light, or am I, whoops, being distracted by something else? And, uh, you know, Jesus says, you are the light. And in America, I love America, I love this country. But, you know, we say, no, let's shine the light in the light. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. You shine the light in darkness. So if you say, you know, uh, Fahad, I don't want to go on a mission trip. 
Okay, don't go on a mission trip. Cross the street. Cross the street. I was speaking in Columbus, Ohio. I know the Buckeyes lost. Boiler up. <laughs> Nate, I did good. <laughs> so I'm speaking in Columbus. This sweet lady comes up. She goes, my neighbor is from Somalia. She's a refugee. She saw her own father get shot, tied to the bumper of a car, and dragged down the street. We prayed together. I said, you are the light in her darkness. Somebody needs to listen to her story. Somebody needs to give her psalms and verses from Scripture. You are the light in darkness. You know, I like to look at the text a little bit. Let's compare light and darkness. If this room was dark, a little light is enough. And the light will show us a path to get out of the room. Right? Separates good from bad. So it doesn't matter how much darkness there is. A little light is enough. But then the nice thing about light and darkness, light always defeats darkness. Always. See, many times we think, oh, I don't know enough. I don't speak a different language. Oh, I don't know how much I know about Islam. It doesn't matter. The seminar will give you some tools. We want you to leave with some tools because, you know, everybody has a toolbox, but some of us have only one tool called the hammer. <laughs> you know, hammer in the morning. No, so the whole idea of next week is to give you tools. But the number one thing is you have the light of Jesus and you are the light in the darkness. You are the light in the darkness. Jesus wants you to be someone who sees the darkness and shines the light, whether here or over there. Imam Hassan, he's visiting Nebraska. He sits in his Starbucks coffee shop waiting for some friends. And an American sitting there says, hello, where are you from? He goes, I'm from this country. They start talking. Next time they be at Starbucks, they give him a Bible. Two years later, he gets baptized. I said to him, why did you get baptized? He said to him, I'm reading in Arabic what Jesus says, From their fruit you shall know them. Ali is on a flight to Latin America. He's on a vacation. He's a businessman. He sits next to the person who just did training, our Spanish training, Puentes for Bridges. What? Of everybody on the plane... This Muslim businessman sits by the pastor who just did the training. God is actively involved on this planet. We always forget that. God is actively involved on this planet. He gets baptized a year later because he was reading the Bible. And Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, Blessed are the pure in spirit, for they will see God. My brother, my sister, you are the light of the world. You look at the darkness and you go, you go to a darkness. A, a, a minister in a Muslim country started a church. 15 years later, the imam walks, as they were walking out of the church, he says, Salaamu Alaikum, Salaamu Alaikum, he says, I'd like to get a copy of the Bible. And the pastor says to the imam, why do you want a copy of the Bible? He goes, for 15 years, I watched you and I watched your wife. I watch how you walk with your wife and how she walks with you, how you treat each other. You guys are different than what I watch on TV and all that. I want to know more about your Jesus. You are the light of the world. On the, on the way back this summer, uh, this January, I was in the Middle East. And in the summer, I was on a mission trip. But on the way, coming back, uh, I was stopped um, 
you know, but with a name like Fahad, I get randomly selected. And so, uh, <laughs> so, so the sweet lady, we were in Europe, you know, she had an accent, I don't, I don't know which country she's from, she picks up the passport, she looks at my face, you know, just, she says, Mr. Master, what do you do? I said to her, I'm a Christian minister. She goes, where were you? I told her what countries I was in. And she goes, what were you doing there? I said, I was working with refugees. And she said, are, are these Christian refugees or Muslim refugees? I said, ma'am, we don't ask. Jesus wants us to help everybody. Now, sometimes we can tell, you know, if she's walking with a whole black blanket, you know, you know, it's, she's, you know, she's a devout hijabi, you know, but, but the whole idea is we are not giving the gospel. We are not helping refugees. It doesn't matter what is their background. Are they Yazidis, Christian, Muslim, Sunni, Muslim, Shia, they're Jews. We doesn't matter. Jesus wants us to shine the light, shine the light. Muhammad, five years, born and raised in Ohio. Five, ye- uh, five years, on Friday he goes to the mosque. On Sunday he walks about five blocks and he is an African-American church. He walks in and argues with the minister. About five years later he becomes a believer. I said to him, Muhammad, why? He said, I could not get over how much they loved me. Even when I was mean, they loved me. A Somali uh, um, who is immigrant here in America, his car breaks down, and someone stops and helps him. And he says, why did you help me while nobody else helped me? He goes, well, Jesus wants us to help when people are in need. So he decides to come to church. A year later, he gets baptized. And the question, why did you get baptized? He said, because the way the Christians treated me. I see, I see through Christianity. It's not the one that we see on television. It's not the one where we see from the news. It's important to know that we are different. We are the light of the world. A Sunni, a Sunni uh, Muslim student in the United States was in a, in, a, in a presentation, and there's a Shia sitting. So here's a Sunni and a Shia sitting. He comes up to give his testimony why he became a believer. So the Sunni student says, I want to talk to you. Three months later, the Sunni student becomes a believer. Here's a Shia and a Sunni that will never connect overseas. In America, Jesus changed one, and he led someone else. You are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. Um, I have so much testimonies, so I want to make sure. I was in a Bible study. We're doing a Bible study. I love this Bible study. It was all, it was in Arabic. So we had Moroccans and Egyptians and Syrians and Iraqis and Lebanese. You won't find us meeting together, but in America, we're meeting. And we're studying the, the miracle of when Jesus raised the paralyzed person. And Jesus looks at the paralyzed person and says to him, your sins are forgiven. So Abdullah is there from Iraq. He's a Sunni Muslim. I said, Abdullah, can a prophet forgive sins. He said, no, only God can. I said, but Jesus forgave sins. Abdullah looks at me, he goes, I've been reading the Bible for three months. I believe that Jesus is different than anyone else. I said, do you believe that he can be your savior? He said, yes. I said, would you like to receive Jesus now? He goes, yes, please lead me in the prayer. So the first time I met Abdullah, but God was working. You are the light of the world. Two months ago, um, two o'clock in the morning, I'm talking to Khalid from Jordan, Sunni Muslim from Jordan. You know, my wife says Arabs are nocturnal. <laughs> well, we had Turkish coffee at midnight. You know we're not going to sleep for another 10 hours. <laughs> so at two, ten, at 2 in the morning, Khalid looks at me and he goes, so what did Jesus bring that's new? Don't you love the app? I pulled my Bible app. Went to Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. Love your enemies. When I read that in Arabic, he goes, no, 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 no. Jesus would not say that. I said, why not? He goes, it's not logical. (laughs) It's logical to love your neighbors, but it's not logical to love your enemies. I said, no, Jesus is divine. He's bringing a supernatural message. You and I cannot love our enemies, but Jesus in us can. Jesus changes our value system. 
You are the light of the world. One of my favorite testimonies about a Bible study in a, in a Muslim country where the secret service monitors everything. You can't have Bibles, you know, so they raided this Bible study, 10 men, and they threw them in prison. So what do you think happened? They continued. They continued. The Bible study. So other inmates started becoming believers. So the head of the, the warden, the head of the prison, brought him in and he goes, look, you guys are creating trouble for me. I'm going to do a different strategy. I'm separating you. Each one goes to different prison. Thank you. Church planting. Church planting. My brother, my sister, you are the light of the world. A little light is enough. And light will always defeat darkness. I want to show you this picture. This is our, our uh, picture from the team in London. This year, our team went to London too, but this is from a previous trip. This is one of the Saudi people who just got her first Bible. I remember we had a great conversation with another person. But Jesus says we are his ambassadors. We are his ambassadors. You know, this morning, while we're speaking, while we're worshiping, maybe God is giving you a burden to go on a mission trip. Maybe God gives you a name of a person. Maybe they're Muslim. Maybe there's something you're going to do after this service. Maybe you need to start a relationship. Or maybe you need to end the relationship. We're challenging you to pray about the nation, especially Muslims. But maybe the person you know was hurt by church or by Christians. Or maybe they're just, as you say in America, good old American. I was on a flight from Indianapolis to Dallas, and I got the aisle seat, and this guy got the window seat, big guy, tall. He looks at me, he goes, what's your name? I said, Fouad. He goes, what do you do? I said, I'm a Christian minister. He said to me, oh, I love baby Jesus. I said to him, sir, Jesus grew up and had more to say. <laughs> you know who I'm talking about. Maybe you know someone like this, and after church, you want to do this? Pick up the phone and say, hey, buddy, you want to come to the third service? I'll pick you up. See, I love America, so there's this picture of a, the Chesapeake Bay Bridge. I've driven on the Chesapeake Bay Bridge, but this is like, wow. It's a, the Chesapeake Bay Tunnel Bridge. It's 18 miles into the Atlantic. God bless America. Wow, what an, there's a tunnel. What if I stood here and said to you, I believe I can drive on the bridge. That's not biblical faith. It's easy to stand here and say, I believe the bridge will hold me. Faith is to drive on the bridge. This morning, God is speaking to you. Do you believe God can use you to win someone to Christ? And I'm making more focus. Do you believe God can use you to win a Muslim to Christ? And if you believe, then be the light in darkness. Let's pray together. Abba, Father, we thank you that we can call you Abba because of Jesus. Thank you for sending Jesus to be born of the Virgin Mary. Live a perfect life. Give us great teachings. Die on the cross for our redemption and raise from the dead for our justification. We thank you for your Holy Spirit that ignites in us a love for others, a love for Jesus, and a compassion for the lost. Increase our faith, Lord. Increase our compassion. 
You told us to ask, so Lord, I ask that you give each one of us one thing to do after this service, to shine the light in darkness. Lord, this morning you asked us to bless and not to curse. So Father, we pray that you bless Muslims, Muslim fathers, Muslim mothers, and Muslim children. Lord, bless Muslims with a true blessing of knowing Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. In his name we pray. Amen.